Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is Daryl Bishop, and I have the incredible privilege of being the granddad of three young people here at Broadview Baptist. I'm also uh, the dad of, uh, of Rachel, and um, that makes me, I think, the, the father-in-law of Andrew. And um, it, currently, I'm Intercultural Ministries facilitator with the Baptist churches here in South Australia. Our Baptist movement has around 24 different culturally and linguistically diverse um, groups that are either, that are connected in some way with with our our denomination, and simply reflecting a little of the changing demographics within um, here in South Australia, our largest uh, church that is part of our Baptist movement is a Burmese church, a Hakachin church. And they have around about 1,400 members at the moment and they are continuing to grow. It's also interesting that in terms of percentage of Christians in different council areas, it used to be here in Adelaide that it was the council areas uh, that go up Northeast Road where you would find the majority of Christians, the kind of Bible belt of Adelaide. But now it is Playford and the Salisbury councils where you find the greatest percentage of those who nominate being Christian. And uh, it's just, again, we just see this um, incredible change that is is occurring. And I would sense also to be able to say that God is at work where is and to ask question and continue to ask question where is god at work today and i believe is amongst um people who are on the move people who are coming here um to adelaide that time through this times of transition the times of change this morning we are continuing in the series from first john and i'd like to open up with a statement. A statement for you to, have to, to think about it for a moment. Behind every sin is a lie that has been believed. Behind every sin is a lie that has been believed. Just think about it for a moment. Now, early on in my pastoral ministry, I found myself regularly encountering people who had experienced significant loss and trauma in their lives. Whether they had been sinned against or whether they were struggling to accept God's forgiveness because of something that they had done. And to be honest, I felt really inadequate 
And hence this journey began for me in how I could authentically provide friendship, support and most importantly, meaningful prayer in those situations. It led me, amongst other things, into an exploration of uh, the ministry of inner healing, for example. And alongside professional counselling, this ministry can offer freedom and life-changing peace and new perspectives from God. This type of prayer ministry takes a person gently and with integrity back into that memory, not only to locate where Jesus was present with that person in the midst of what has happened, but also to identify the lie that has been believed, that keeps the person trapped in the past and continues to block the person's journey forward into the present and on into the future. In other words, transforming victims into survivors because behind every sin is a lie that has been believed. But this same process can operate at the community level. In international politics, where a lie is believed, dangerous situations follow, and so often innocent people die. For example, you know, I'll get a bit of political here, and I might need to get the... Can someone go and uh, start the engine of my car for me? <laughs> no, things like, you know, Trump had the election stolen from him. Ukraine has been infiltrated by Nazis and therefore has to be defeated. Australia was terra nullius before European settlement in 1788. On the world stage, corruption and chaos. In our own personal lives, transformation stunted and mental health issues are birthed. For the churches that John is writing to in 1 John, he is at pains to expose another lie that can lead people into legalism and law and condemnation where there is no hope, no freedom, no truth and no life. It's a lie that says that God cannot be trusted. It's a lie that saps people of purpose and joy and freedom. But John describes it as a counterfeit for it can be difficult to distinguish from the, from the real thing, from the truth. It's a lie that continues to lead people in bondage, even here, even today. Let me read to you, and if you have your devices or have your Bibles with you, it will also be up on the screen. Let me read verses 18 and 19 of 1 John chapter 2. Dear children, you get the sense of Pastor John here as he uh, relates to the people as dear children. Dear children, this is the last hour, 
And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. So who or what are these antichrists? Now, the mention of an antichrist can take many of us, particularly if we've been around the churches for a, for a while, can take us to some shadowy figure in the future who would deceive and lead a worldwide revolt against God's people. But here, John is speaking about antichrist plural. He is speaking about what is happening in the first century, warning that these antichrists will even appear within those fledgling small churches that he's writing to. Now this also we need to note that this is not just a religious phenomena. Instead in the complex world of first century Palestine, he was warning the churches to whom he is writing of people who claim to have special insights from God or people who are claiming that God is specifically speaking through them. These were just as much for that in that first century a political phenomena as well as religious movements. Many early Christians must have wondered as they heard about a new movement in a neighbouring town or village. Is this Jesus? Has Jesus come back? Is this the real thing? Should I go? Should I go and see? And it seems like that some of those who had been followers, been with the Jesus followers, did indeed go off after these new movements. And spiritual tourism was birth and continues even today. And that is what John is alerting his listeners of as he writes this letter. He's in no doubt. These movements are what he describes as antichrist movements. But what is it about these movements that raises the red flag? What is the lie that is being believed? Where is the truth being distorted to a point that is taking followers of Jesus away from the core of the gospel that was originally preached? Now this could all look like a self-justifying position, but John had something more something more important even in mind. As we pick up verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. The true follower of Jesus has been anointed 
by the Holy Spirit. There has been a new birth. There has been transformation. There is ongoing transformation. A real change of heart and character has happened. And one of the key indicators of that change is precisely the recognition that Jesus is the Saviour, that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus truly is Son of God. But these Antichrist movements are attacking the Gospel at its core by opposing and denying this truth. And this is why John brands them as people of the lie. And the greatest lie of all is to deny the Father and the Son. In verse 22, we read, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. To deny Jesus is the Christ, to deny that Jesus really is God's Son, is to cut the believer off from access to the Father as well since we can only truly know the Father through the Son. Remember those words of Jesus back in John chapter 14, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. But as evangelicals, we can so focus on the fact that Jesus is the way that we actually forget who he is the way to. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way to know the God of this universe as Father. A number of years ago, I was the speaker at a series of meetings in several churches in the southern part of Western Australia. After a week of teaching and preaching, I met with the senior pastor of a large church in Perth to report back what had happened. He'd actually coordinated for a number of pastors to to be involved in meetings across that part of Western Australia. And as he led me into his office, he said to his receptionist that we were not to be disturbed. No phone calls, no visitors, no interruptions. And so we went into the office, closed the door, and we sat down and we started to chat and to pray together. About 15 minutes into the conversation, the office door burst open and in ran the senior pastor's four-year-old daughter. He stopped the conversation and he gave her his complete undivided attention as he lifted her up onto his knee and chatted. It was as if I was not even there. They eventually kissed, hugged each other. She got down and walked out of the office. 
I sat there completely amazed as he picked up our conversation as if nothing had happened. And that, friends, reflects the same access that we have to our Heavenly Father. Into the presence of our Heavenly Father today, we have been brought into his family through the cross of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 we read, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. You are children of God. And that, as John continues on, and that is what we are. We can call, we can relate to the God of this universe as Father, Abba, Father, because of Jesus. In Jesus we catch a glimpse of the nature and character of God. And I wonder, I wonder whether you have ever approached God in that way, as a child to his or her father, as a Maddie climbing up onto Andrew's knee and snuggling in to Andrew, as an Isaac sitting there on the couch and hugging his mum. Micah, well, he's too old for those sorts of things now. No, he's not. (laughs) But you see, the Antichrist messages are saying, this is a lie. This basic Christian confession, they are saying, it's a mistake. They're saying that Jesus wasn't really God's last word to his people and that we actually need more. There's someone still to come. There is further knowledge to be attained. There's another secret ritual. There's a secret handshake. Some laws to be explained and followed. Give up, says these antichrists. Give up what you have so naively believed and come Come with us. We have the extra knowledge. We have the extra practices. And John's response is, don't do it. Don't do it. These people are deceiving you. In verse 26 of 1 John 2, he says, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you but as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not a counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. As I said before, can you really sense John's pastoral heart? 
Can you sense his love for those to whom he's writing? Can you sense his passion? Deep down, you know the truth because of the anointing, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have been given when you first said yes to Jesus Christ. You don't need anything extra. It's not Jesus plus. Jesus is not just one person on a journey that there's more to come. You don't need extra teaching from outside, secret knowledge. For that anointing within you testifies to the truth that you already have through Jesus Christ and by his Spirit. But there's more. There's more. Just like the knife ads on TV, there is more. We drop down just a little deeper for a moment. The word for anointing has the same root word as Messiah. Messiah literally means the anointed one. God's anointed king. God's one and only son. So perhaps we can look at it in this way. Here are these antichrist people. Here are these anti-anointed ones. But you, you have been anointed. You have been messiahed. So don't allow this counterfeit message deceive you. For they're not only denying that Jesus is the Messiah, they're also by implication questioning everything that makes you you, that makes you who you are now, that brings into question your very identity. This is the lie that they're spreading. A lie that if given any oxygen will eat away just like rust into the very imagination and heart of us as followers of Jesus and also his church. You see, John is not just making a theological point here. He's not just engaging us in a brief Bible study. John is taking us to the very core of our own spiritual birth, the very core of who we now are as anointed ones, part of God's family, part of God's new humanity, part of what defines our very identity. So we pick up verse 28 as he continues to make his point. And now, dear children, and now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And when our eyes at last shall see him, 
we will be confident and unashamed for we shall see him through his own redeeming love. We will see his smile. We will catch his facial expression and we will know him in a brand new way. See, now we only see a dim reflection like on a, the mud of a, or the, the surface of a muddy pond or like a mirror that's all fogged up. But then, at Jesus appearing, then we shall see him face to face. Can you, can you even begin to imagine it? Can you imagine it? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Friends, that's what we got to look forward to. And when he is revealed, in a twinkling of an eye, we shall be like him. Just think. Think for a moment of the risen Jesus. We shall be the same and yet strangely different. Jesus has gone through death. Jesus still bears the marks of the nails in his hands, the spear in his side. And yet he will never die again. Jesus belongs in both worlds, in heaven and earth at once. And that, of course, will be appropriate since at his appearing, heaven and earth, as one scholar said, heaven and earth will, will, be, will come back together again, complete and forever. So as we bring all this together and as we close, and we just reflect back on this passage for a moment. Why has John taken us from a passionate plea not to be deceived by the lie of the Antichrist to a reflection on the ushering in of God's new kingdom? Quite simply, we constantly, we constantly need to be reminded that there is a wonderful, awesome, glorious future ahead of us. A new heavens and a new earth. Of course, we also need to be reminded of the present age in which we live. For it's into the present world, the present age, that Jesus came to show us the Father and to show us to give us a glimpse, to open the door to life in his new kingdom through the cross, through his resurrection and through the giving of his spirit. This present world, yes, it does count. It counted to Jesus. It counted to the Father.
Yes, each and every one of you do count. Because Jesus came into the world. He came into the world to tell us, to tell you, to tell you how much God loves you. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And just to make sure, John says, and that is what we are. You are children of God. If Jesus is the Son of God, it is God's love that has been lavished upon us, bringing us into his family, his children, his daughters, his sons, And that is what we are. That defines our identity. Our identity is not tied up whether we have work or not. Our identity is not tied up on how big our house is, whether we have a house or not. Our identity is not tied up in the the sort of car we drive or the suburb we live. Our identity is tied up in a relationship with Jesus Christ and what Jesus, how Jesus sees us. And nothing, nothing can take that away from you. Let nobody tell you differently. Let no lie deceive you for what I have described is so minuscule. It's only the very beginning And who knows, who knows what the ultimate end will be as heaven and earth are brought back together again at Jesus' appearing. Let's pray. Father God, we... um, We've just read some scriptures and reflected a little on this passage. But Lord, we we just ask that your Holy Spirit would just come. That your Holy Spirit who is here this morning will manifest his presence amongst us. Lord, just to show, to show each and every person here this morning who they are in you. Lord, that we would catch a glimpse, a a little glimpse of what it means for your daughters, for your sons, to know how much we are loved. Loved by the God of this universe. That he sent his son into the world to die on that cross that we might be brought into your family. Lord, thank you. Lord, I pray 
I pray that you would minister to each and every person here this morning. Lord, in our mind's eye, to be able to picture to picture a little Maddie running into that lounge room, climbing up on a father's knee, on Andrew's knee, and snuggling into Andrew's chest. Little Isaac on that couch cuddling in to his mum. And that's how it is with each and every one of us in your presence. I wonder for each person here this morning, I wonder whether you've ever done that just to, through Jesus Christ, because the door is made open, that door is not locked, it is wide open. And the receptionist says, Go in, go in, it's okay. We just go in and snuggle, snuggle into your Father's, your Heavenly Father's chest to hear those words of affirmation. My son, my daughter, I love you.